0: If you want to run a sustainable business, you want to have consistency. And that comes from Businesses aren't run by the operators, they're run by the customers and the
1: market. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, hey, everyone. Annie Dickerson here. And on behalf of my co-host, Julie Lamb, we are thrilled to welcome you to our summer series where we're talking to members of the... Good Egg team. And today we have the distinct honor of talking to Hasib Ikramola, our Director of Operations. Hasib, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. This is my first podcast for Good Egg, so it's going to be exciting.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you here. Now, Pasiba, I got to tell you, before I put on this hat as COO of Good Egg, I had no idea all that goes into operations. It's a ton. And since you've joined the team, you've shown me all the other things that I didn't even know were part of operations that I should have had my eye on. So it's been a very enlightening experience. And I know that you have a ton of experience, not only in operations, but all sorts of different things that you then bring to the table. So let's start, before we dive into operations, let's start by digging into your story and your background. Give us some of the highlights. I know you've done a lot of things, but give us some of the highlights of your journey.
0: Yeah, I'll try to do the elevator pitch of my experience and life. I am a native New Yorker. I was born and raised here. And then I left New York for my adventures right after undergrad. Since then, my career path started very traditionally. It was the military service. And then I got my grad school degree in civil engineering. And that's what I pursued for about 10 years of my life, the corporate ladder. Where the entrepreneurial bug sort of got me was... Thinking about sustainability and living in an urban center, as sustainability was just a beginning buzzword back then. So, this was 20, 2008, 2010, and I became one of the founders for Bike Share. And that started my journey in the startup sector. Lots of success with Bike Share and my first exit, and sort of understanding of equity fundraising, financial dimensions that are beyond a W 2. Since then, it's been a up and down journey in the startup entrepreneurial world, which is common with some successes, some learning lessons uh, that were hard. And then now I've joined Good Egg in the last three months now almost. Yeah, getting on three months. And I'm super excited because this is the best place in my mind to join a company. It's not the pains of the initial product market fit pains of a startup, but rather a startup that's about to get into the slipstream of growth, right? And the growth potential. So that's my story.
1: Yeah, definitely. About to get into that slipstream, baby. So there's so much of what you said that I want to dive into. First, native New Yorker. Now, there's not a lot of those, right, these days. I mean, I especially... Well, <laughs> so what was it like growing up? Were you in Manhattan, Brooklyn?
0: No. So it's interesting. In New York, for all the multicultural melting pot talk that the world sort of views New York as, the homogeny of New York really doesn't build, America does one great thing, it classifies Americans as whatever they are, Chinese Americans, Indian, or for me, Asian Indian Americans, you know, African Americans, New York has the same tagline, you're an Indian New Yorker, versus a Chinese New Yorker, like you earn your stripes. So New Yorker is the homogeny, but the neighborhoods are very segregated by immigrant classes that move in. And had like a path to growth and financial independence. So Asians, they always move into Queens because the cost of living is much cheaper. It's concentrations of or huge pockets of the same ethnic group. So I grew up in Queens, in Jackson Heights and Elmhurst, which is like Little India or New York, and then quickly left you. You know, you strive. Manhattan is sort of the big apple. That's where you always want to end up in, especially in your pursuit of education. So I went to a magnet school here called Stuyvesant and then afterwards, NYU. I left Queens when I was 13. And since then, it's been Brooklyn, actually. I was one of the original hipsters to settle in Williamsburg.
1: (laughs) I could tell that about you when I first met you is that you were a hipster at heart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's my coffee drinking.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there you (laughs) go. It was uh, So it sounds like Queens, where you grew up, was really a sort of a microcosm.
0: That's and it. That's it. Yeah.
1: And you yeah. grew up with cousins. Is that right? That's Something right.
0: Like- That's right. So I grew up with 26 first cousins, uh, yeah. mostly based out of New York, like the greater New York area, and then some on the West Coast. Two of my mm-hmm. uncles ended up in California. A part of the original Silicon Valley like, development, they're all IBM engineers. So I have those cousins from the West Coast, which unfortunately for them, they didn't have the, like, the network that we did, the built-in friends and family network
1: growing mm. up. You could have created a whole startup just with all your first cousins.
0: <laughs> yes. This is a constant conversation. Yeah. Even though our parents <laughs> are pushing us towards more traditional, like right. professional paths,
1: Yeah. You know,
0: we're always fighting against that as the first generation or second generation.
1: (laughs) That is so funny. So funny. Well, I know before you got into civil engineering, you took a very important and major life step, which is you joined the military. And this wasn't just like you dabbled in it and you dipped your toes in, but you went on multiple tours. And in fact, I believe you were planning on making a career out of it. Is that right?
0: That's right. My family has a tradition. All the I guess the older sons have traditionally joined the military. Most uh, siblings within the cousin groups are two or three, and the oldest son usually has some kind of a service career, whether it's in government service or in the military. So my dad was in the military. When I was a little bit disillusioned right after undergrad, what I was looking for, it gave me the structure I needed to like really get my life together. So yeah, I did a couple of tours. In fact, I was deployed for most of my time, which was five years in service. And if I hadn't gotten wounded and reclassed out of combat arms, I would have most really stayed it.
1: Wow. I mean, it sounds very intense. And I speak on behalf of all the listeners and everybody at Good A. We're so incredibly grateful for your service. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart, because I know that you saw a lot of things when you were there and you sacrificed a lot. And so we're very grateful for that and grateful for your journey after that, which then eventually led you here to us. But it sounds like, so you mentioned the military gave you that structure, which I know is such such an important part of who you are today, because you bring a lot of that structure to us at Good Egg. So it was it that structure and that lifestyle that then took you into civil engineering? Or was that always something that you wanted to get into?
0: So I lean more towards, I guess, if you were to like divide up your brain, I'm more of a left brain thinker. So I tend to go towards the sciences and mathematics and just like the structure that it provides, because I like to see results, not just try to like visualize or philosophize about problem sets. So that's sort of why it fit the most. And that's why operations makes a lot of sense for me. But yes, I think the military fundamentally catered to that, that side of my thinking or that side of my ability. But later on, I've honed it. Civil engineering gave me the, actually the structure helped me be successful. Because all of operations, it's just about creating systems. That's it. Successful operators are systematized. That's like the key to successful operation. It's not about knowing everything or knowing, it's just making sure that things get done in the timeline that they need to get done in. That's it.
1: I love this because it's behind the scenes and it's something that our listeners and our investors don't necessarily get to see on a day-to-day basis, but yet they do. They benefit from good, strong systems. So tell us a little bit about, you've worked in a number of startups at this point. So what's some of the outward difference between like, a company that has strong, solid systems and processes and one that may not be there yet. What's the impact on not just the company and the team, but also the customers and the investors and the outward facing the clients? What are some of the ramifications of systems and processes?
0: Yeah, this is a great question because this is the consideration or what you should be thinking about when you are trying to implement systems or processes, right? Because it shouldn't be systems or processes for their own sake, but for being result-oriented, right? Like, what will this produce? The biggest sort of sweet spot that companies, organizations, doesn't matter their size, want to reach is consistency, right? Whether it's from the top down or the bottom up, they want to reach consistency in terms of revenue, predictability. Yes, you can have spikes, you can have upside, right? You can have stretch goals. But if you want to run a sustainable business, you want to have consistency. And that comes from Businesses aren't run by the operators, they're run by the customers and the market. So if you're not capable of delivering consistent service at a level that the customers have expected, not just because of the marketplace, but because of your prior performance, then you're going to have attrition in every area, whether it's customer attrition, which is the worst, because you can never get them back, or chances are that you have to pay for it to get them back. And then internally, you can have attrition with your team. And if anybody knows nowadays, this was always true. I just felt like in traditional corporations where the demand for the job outweighed the demand of the individual that performed the task, that's reversed. Getting talent is the hardest thing to do in the market and then keeping and retaining and developing that talent to row in the same direction is also super hard. So I think systems give you the rails and the guidance to make sure that you're always delivering consistent results.
2: Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club, We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country, and then partner with you to acquire these investments, and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals.
1: Such a great way. That's such a great perspective because I think you're right. It's all about that consistency. Whether you are an investor with us today, or you started with us six months ago, or you invested in this type of deal, or this type, or you're investing 50K versus a million dollars at a time. Your experience should be consistent. Doesn't matter if you pick up the phone and call our investor relations team or you get a hold of our marketing. Does't matter. We want to make sure that the experience is consistent across the board. And I think you're right, a big part of that is making sure that we have those internal systems in place so that everybody on the team is rowing in the same direction. So I love that. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and transition into the final part of our show, the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round. We're going to ask you three questions we ask everybody. You ready, Hasib? Yeah. All right. So the first question is to share with us one thing that you're doing to live a meaningful and intentional life by design.
0: The one thing is actually choosing my physical and mental health over a lot of the other decisions that we make just naturally when we are, when our posture is to be more career oriented at a certain phase in our life. If you're not already retired and if you're not already lessening your workload based on passive income or whatever other income streams that you might have, if you don't have a choice but to be clocking in, I think you should start thinking about what is worthwhile. How does the work product get impacted if my physical health and well-being is taken care of first? So I think my focus now, more than ever, it really sort of codified itself through the entire COVID pandemic process, which every it was the ultimate crucible that everybody passed. And I make sure I do all of those things, everything from meditation to exercise to eating right, are not just. Practice and habit, but it's a priority. So Mm -hmm. that's my answer.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I remember. Okay, for all the listeners, I got to tell you recently on the Good Egg team retreat, which we do a couple of times a year. So Haseeb was flying in from New York to Hawaii, which took him 14 hours. Okay, and it's a six hour time change. So by the time we had dinner at six o'clock, it was midnight in New York. And of course, we didn't stop just at dinner. We kept going after dinner. And because the Good Egg, there's a lot of love in the Good Egg team. So we kept going after dinner. We're playing cards. We're talking. I think it was like 11 o'clock midnight. And by that time it was 6 a.m. New York time. And so Hasif, I know you went to bed, but you got up like still, you got up early in the morning to go see the sunrise. And you said, well, how could I come to Hawaii and not see the sunrise? And it's little things like that, that I think you have your priorities just right. So you know exactly what's the most important. All right. The second question is to share with the audience a life or money hack that has really helped you on your journey that you think will help others as well.
0: I, I don't know if this is unique to me, but I, there's like I think at some point in your life you have an epiphany about taxes. And, oh, I've been there. Um, <laughs> it, it really helped me refocus. For me, just. Starting out my career path in the government service where taxes were like automatically taken out at the highest rate and all these different things, you don't really pay attention to it, but you also don't realize that 36, up to 50% of what you make and take home are getting taken away for services that you might not be receiving in return, you know, that you're not receiving any value for, especially if you don't live in the state or if you're working remotely. All of those things have an impact. So the hack or epiphany for me was it's almost better to pay taxes than to have the government take more than they need and then have a return because you are the better judge of how you can invest that money so that you you can create the arbitrage between whatever they're taxing you for versus however you can lower that amount. One of the great things is understanding what capital gains is versus income taxes are, right? And the delta is almost 100%. On average, 15% is capital gains. And on average, W 2 income taxes are 35 to 40%. So, how do you figure out a way to take out money before it gets taxed from your W 2 paycheck? To invest it so that at the end you're going to get taxed, no matter what happens. At some point, you're going to have to pay the man taxes and debt. But how do you lessen that burden? And people have done traditional investments like four hundred one k's or whatever. But the reality with four hundred one k's that people don't understand it's deferred tax, and taxes are never going to go down. So you're not paying taxes today, but you're going to pay taxes sometime in tomorrow land. And those taxes are going to be higher than today's taxes. So that's my only little advice. And look, I'm not giving you tax advice. I think you should talk to a professional, but be cognizant of how much money is getting taken out. This is hard earned capital that can be deployed in a different way to give you the financial freedom that you want.
1: Yes, So good. So good. And I think you're right. I mean, everybody's got a different situation, but the important thing is just being aware and not just blindly going with it, but really stopping to think, am I using all the best strategies that I possibly can to make my money work as hard as I can for me? And that includes the taxes, the tax strategies. There's a lot of things that you can do. And so I'm glad you brought that one up. That's a good one. All right. Last question is to share with us one thing that you're doing to help make the world a better place? There's a
0: couple there's a lot of, I wish it was by myself. So I'll start off by saying, I don't do anything by myself to make the world a better place, except being a, try to be a nicer human being. The thing that I'm doing with the group that I really support actively is the American Cancer Society. It's something that I'm very, it's near and dear to me for many personal reasons, but there's a couple of groups like that. There's Transportation Alternative and the American Cancer Society I work very closely with. One has to do with the charitable work to help families and individuals with this terrible affliction. Some that are living with it, some that are end-of-life planning. The other, and it's just fundraising and being active in the community. So I'm the chair for the Brooklyn Direct Cancer Society. The second one has to do with being conscious of the impact of inner city transportation on our environment and choosing an alternative to riding a combustion engine vehicle of some kind, even including city buses. Those city buses are better than your personal car, but just knowing or walking, time yourself. There's nothing wrong with a half an hour walk to get wherever you have to go. If you give yourself time to be on a phone call while you're walking that half an hour or whatever it might be. Just make those sensible choices. So I'll stop preaching, but those are the two organizations and things that I do consciously.
1: To make the world better. Fantastic. And I know that ties in really nicely with your work with Bike Share as well. I know that's something that you've yeah. been passionate about as well. Love it. All right. Well, Haseeb, if anybody listening is curious about the good egg experience or wants to experience firsthand the results of some of these amazing systems and processes that you've helped us to build, tell them what's the best place that they can go.
0: You can go directly to our website or you can download the book for Good Egg Investments. It's goodegginvestments.com. The book is such an easy read. The problem with any kind of financial nonfiction writing is it's boring and long with a lot of jargon. The best part about Annie and Julie's writing is the same thing that's in our blogs. It's easy. It simplifies very complex concepts, which sometimes are complex because it creates barrier of entry for other people. So they simplify it. And the website gives you an understanding of what passive income really means and what it means to live life by design, by having passive income or the opportunity to have it.
1: And for all of our listeners to get a free hardcover copy of that book that Hasib is talking about, Investing for Good, just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. Hasib Ikramullah, Director of Operations at Good Egg Investments. Hasib, thank you so much for being here today with us and our listeners sharing your incredible experience and your story and your insights. You've been listening to The Life & Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life & Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.